Uh, Acme Army family, all I'm thinking about is a fish fry. Bowl full of tartar sauce, maybe a couple old fashions and an ice cream drink. Oh, I missed you, Wisconsin. I'm surrounded by cheesesteaks. Today I'm surrounded by Peter Jones and Eric, though. We get into the NFL draft, some possible free agents, Packer talk, lots of fun. Get it? Packers. All right, well, it's Friday morning, and there is no better way to start off an Acme Army podcast than having two of the finest partners in Packer Talk. My boy Eric up there in the Northwoods, and the Peter Jones from the UK fellas. It's been a fun week here in Packer Town. Lots of cuts being happening. Uh, we got some exciting news to talk about, but let's get to the first things first here. Peter, how we doing? I'm yeah, I'm doing doing really good. I was a bit worried when you mentioned the two finest partners. I thought you were then about to say, but I couldn't find them. Oh, so. <laughs> the same thing going through my mind, Peter. <laughs> I lost them South Jersey somewhere. I don't know where they are, but I found you guys on Twitter. So uh, let's chat, Eric. Uh, how you doing up there? Absolutely fantastic. Good. Beautiful days, forties and fifties. Springs here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what the Cuts around the NFL are starting to happen. And it has been getting the blood flowing in my body for who could potentially come onto this Packers squad, which I am, I, I love it. But first things first, Peter, we haven't talked to you since the press conference introducing our new defensive coordinator. What did you think about Joe Barry? Well, I think, I think that, I think that everything he had to say sounded sounded positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am one of those that's, that tries not to be negative about the appointment. Um, Got to give everybody everybody a chance, but it's, it's one of those that was difficult to to get positive about when the appointment was was made, given you know his his background. But um, I, I thought it, I thought he came across very well. I thought it was an interesting how he talked about, um, you know, the, the edge guys, the edge linebackers and the, and the defensive backs being the key to the defense. And I think that's true, particularly in the, in the, in the three, four. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we have to take him, take him at his word, be positive about what, about what we heard and really, really just, just go from there. Um, I think it's always difficult in, in any, press conference that we don't try and read too much into what's said um uh, you know ultimately you know they have to keep a lot of stuff hidden they're not going to come out and give you all the detail that we would all like to hear yeah Um, but but you know generally positive i think yeah i thought it was a lot of surface level really on every every level (laughs) i wanted to hear him say we have the linebackers on this roster to dominate. This is exactly what I need. But I thought it was odd that he didn't bring anybody in. And I don't know if he had a, really an opportunity, right, because he was on the Ram staff, was hired to go to the Chargers with Brandon Staley, and then left them to become the defensive coordinator here. So I don't know if he had anybody, you know, in his station wagon ready to roll up to Green Bay with him. But keeping the entire staff, you know – I. Does it change a whole lot, Peter? Well, I, I, that, and that and that's the interesting question. I, I, I mean, it it must it must change in a way. You know, the system is going to be somewhat somewhat different, so it, so it must change. I mean, I think it's a I think it's an odd one when a coordinator is not hiring the guys that work for him. Um, and and you can only assume well one of two things, I guess. It's either a, t- a timing issue. Or there was some discussion with him around in the interviews and whatever else that that you know they wanted to keep at least the majority of the defensive staff in place, and certainly you can understand that with the likes of of Jerry Gray who's got a kind of yeah. semi promotion I guess. Yeah. Um, so you can certainly certainly understand that. Um, yeah. Wait. Wait and see. I think. Well, I'll tell you what I felt. It was very similar to Lafleur's hire. Uh, he inherited. Uh, Petten and he didn't have much say in it. I don't get the feeling 
uh, with Mike Smith and Jerry Gray and these guys. They they were uh, and, and uh, <clears throat> I don't think that the, him bringing in his own people was an option. It was sort of a package deal, and he's got some quality uh, quality people to work with. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm still I'm still surprised if I if I'm truly honest that that Jerry Gray didn't get the job. Mm-hmm. But, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Well, uh, Matt Lafleur didn't. There, there's really not a whole lot to talk about with Matt Lafleur. Um, Gudekunst, Eric, you had a chance to rewatch since we talked last about Gudekunst's press conference. What'd you feel uh, popped out from that one that we didn't get a chance to discuss? Well, the Preston Smith comment, for one, um, upon further consideration, um, you know, he's got a $16 million cap figure. Uh, it's about, I think, somewhere between six and eight, depending upon when it's designated in cap space if he's let go. Uh, he uh, he had the second lowest pressure rate in the NFL for linebackers with 100 attempts, which is most of them. Hmm. Um, that screams to me uh, somebody that, you know, perhaps it's time to move on from, particularly given this year. I'd like to kind of jump off script for a second and, and ask Peter a question um, that we've talked about several times since our last time together, and that's the salary cap and where it's going to come in. Some of the stuff that I've seen is indicated that there's heavy negotiations with the players' union about sort of slightly capping 22 and 23 to get 21 back in that 195 to 200 range. Is that feasible? Um, Yeah, it's certainly feasible. Um, Now, to be fair, they've already done a piece of that to get it to one to get the you know to get it to 185, if, if if you like, but. It's certainly feasible. You know, there are some things that they know are coming down the track. 17-game schedule looks to be pretty much certain. Mm. Um, New TV deals are kind of... The odd one here and there seems to be drip-feeding its way in. So so it's absolutely feasible. You know, and it might mean that we get to a number in this year, like you say, let's say 190, 195, um, but it wouldn't go up as much then, obviously, in 2022 and 2023. Um, it, it, it's it's six of one and half, half a dozen of the other to a certain degree in that it helps this year. But then, of course, it gives you problems if you've already pushed money into, mm-hmm. into, into future years. So, yeah. I mean, ultimately, they've got to count on brand new TV deals boosting the thing by 10 or 20 million in, in a year's or two years time to, to get over this difficulty. Yeah. I want to talk about Preston Smith there before we jump uh, off, because you, you, the point that you made on him and his lack of pressures and outright releasing him, because we're not going to find a trade partner, I don't believe for Preston Smith, but outright releasing him saves us some money. Then we're without an edge. Peter, who's the likely replacement, or is it more advantageous for us to renegotiate with him at some point to lower that cap number? So, so I think it, I think that Goody's presser, when he said we fully expect Preston Smith to be back, I think reading between the lines that meant hmm. we're negotiating with Preston Smith's agent, yeah. and we expect, and I would replace the word expect with hope. <laughs> but that's my words. But we hope that we can get a restructure done to be able to bring Preston Smith back at a lower cap number. See, the thing that I'm uh, – it makes more sense for us, I think. It makes more sense for him to to want to take that deal. But you look at the amount of players that are coming out, he's going to be there, – there's no not going to be any takers for him. So if he's, if he's smart, he's looking at all the writing on the wall and saying, hey, man – you know, am I better than a Jadavion Clowney who's going to be, you know, in my in my price bracket? You know, I'm going to be competing with him for for places and maybe a Von Miller who gets out or Melvin Ingram, the third who gets released, yep. you know, all kinds of competition for him. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I would 100 percent. I would 100 percent agree with that. You know, it's it's unfortunate for the players this year, but that's the deal the CBA that they signed. Mm-hmm. That, that, that nobody foresaw this type of risk. Nobody foresaw the cap ever going down. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, 
I just I just don't see any way, you know, unless they've got a rabbit in the hat that that nobody else has thought of. I just don't see any way that that Preston Smith can play on the contract that he's got right now. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you know, I would imagine the discussion is around you're either gone or you restructure the restructure the deal. And and, and if I was, it's easy to speak for somebody else, but you're absolutely right, Eric. I would imagine that given the number of players that are likely to become available over the next few days, even before we hit free agency, that, you know, unless it's a ridiculously low ball restructure offer, you would expect, I would expect a player to take it. So kind of pushing the, pushing this just a little bit farther in, you know, we talked in the past and Eric and I have talked a lot about, um, you know, they, they did the, the restructuring of Bakhtiari and then there's the available significant cap space available with Rogers and Zadarius Smith. And I guess what, what, you know, by now we should have gotten the, the league number for the year. Um, most of the time it's been considerably earlier. I understand there's all sorts of parameters that are messing with this year, but if we do an awful lot of restructures and then they pump the cap up to 200 million, without the explosive growth in 22 and 23, are we going to be sitting, um, you know, in, in the same or worse position uh, if we do all these renegotiations and push everything two or three, two or three years down the line? Yeah, quite possibly. And that's why I think that, that's why I think that no other restructures and stuff have been announced. Right. I think because they'll have those in their back pocket, if you like, take the Rogers one where, you, where, where they know that they can, convert um roster bonus and and base salary and they can do it just like that did i just dream that i thought they just uh converted his roster bonus i i haven't seen that for rogers nor have i okay yeah i thought they were converting that roster bonus but yeah um but but that's a move i would expect them to make but but i i wonder if they're not not making those moves until such time as the as the final cap numbers released and, you know, that might be now, say, March the 10th, you know, another four or five days away. But that still gives them, providing they've done all the background work, which I'm sure they absolutely will have done, you know, they can make that announcement the same day on a restructuring if, you know, as soon as they've got the number, if they need to, if they need to do it. Boy, does Russ Ball deserve a vacation after this? <laughs> I can't imagine the kind of complexity that this has added to his job which is pretty complex to begin with mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you know you've got this you've got the you're being pulled in all sorts of directions aren't you because it's not you know in his role yes it's obviously about the cap and it's about the money etc cetera, etc cetera, but he's also got a responsibility to try and help Gooty put the best you know the best team on the field mm-hmm. um so so he's being pulled in a number of directions but it's how he earns his money all right, well, speaking of Goody trying to put the best team on the field, we have a free agency period that's going to be as enjoyable as any that I can remember, right? There's a couple of players, though, that really become possibilities now that the J.J. Watt uh, turmoil is over, right? The, the hopes and dreams of that gone. We can effectively move on. And look at some of these other players here that <clears throat> when we look at the draft, you know, you, you're, you're first round, maybe second round. You're probably going to have needs that are greater than a defensive lineman, right? And uh, when I look at these free agents that are out there, there's some pretty good ones. And one of them that we made an attempt to get earlier this year was Delvin Tomlinson. And Pro Football Focus had him at an 11 to $12 million range for free agency. I want to talk about him and what you guys think he would do for our interior sitting next to Kenny Clark. What do you think, Eric? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll just go right to, right to Peter's season review. Um, we have one everyday guy on the line now. Um, that, uh, whether it's in the draft or free agency there, that absolutely has to be addressed. Yeah. Yeah, Peter, what do you think about Dalvin? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, as you've just described, I think with um, we've, we've got Ke- we've got Kenny Clark and 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 
<laughs> um, you know, K- K- King- Kingsley, Kingsley, Kiki. Um, I think the thing with with Tomlinson, and this is the this is the struggle that I've not seen. I've not gone back and looked at and looked at his film, but um, I guess the question for Tomlinson is whether he's another nose tackle in the same role as as, as Kenny Clark, or whether he can play a three or five technique defensive end, or whether they end up playing a lot of two-man line with Clark and Tomlinson, which 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 they can do. So I think there's a I think there's a number of questions, um, you know, around what they what they can do there. And certainly Tomlinson, when he was at Detroit, you know, played nose tackle when Snacks Harrison moved on from Detroit. So um yeah, certainly certainly an interesting one. What what value did they put on him? Uh this one right now is the four year fifty million dollar contract, fifty two. High end for us for sure. Yeah, it, that would be a splash for us. But here's what we lack is we lack, you know, the rush defense consistency. Now, last year was better than, you know, years past. But Delvin Tomlinson, he grades out the highest in pro football focus on his run defense. Um, you know, 82nd percentile they have him. So it's one of the biggest needs that I see that are from a free agency perspective that can be addressed here now another guy out of you know two guys out of the broncos was Jarrell casey and shelby harris now shelby harris again he's in that 11 million dollar range but Jarrell casey he's a five million dollar uh a year expected contract have you taken a look at Jarrell casey and looking at any of the beef that he has to provide next to kenny clark i have to be honest and say that i that i haven't okay um I guess, I guess for me, I'm not sure where the Packers are going in in free agency. I guess until after until after March March the seventeenth. But I mean, they've definitely got to do something with that whole run defense situation. So I think if you can if you can get a guy at a reasonable at a reasonable salary, then then it's it's a move worth making, particularly as. You very rarely get those guys, and I think we've we've touched on this before. You very get rarely get those guys who can play in the three four early in the NFL draft. You might get a nose tackle, but you very rarely find a a three four defensive end. Mm-hmm. You know, in the in the first in the first round of the of, of the draft, and 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 if there is, he's probably gone by the time you pick at you pick at twenty nine. Yeah. So I think so. I think I, for me, free agency is probably the most likely route to get one of those guys. Well, I mean, the list is incredible, I think. You know, just with Delvin, Jarrell, Casey, Shelby Harris, Derek Wolf, Quan Short, Jonathan Hankins, and whoever else is going to be released. I mean, these are upgrades that I look at our line and go, is Dean Lowry better than some of these players? You know, I mean, uh, uh, Tyler Lancaster better than some of these players? And for reasonable money, it seems, you know, around that $5 million mark seems like a heck of an addition for me. What are your thoughts, Eric, on uh, free agency as far as uh, what you'd like to see targeted? Well, first off, let me say that I, I do uh, I, I tend to agree with your assessment with 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 a player, maybe not Donaldson, but somebody like him. Um, it's it, part of the thing is we've complained uh, in the past uh, about not really knowing what kind of system we're going to be running, mm-hmm. and if it's a lot of four down linemen having a big nasty next to uh, next to Kenny Clark allows you to sub in the Kikis and the others, but yeah. I, I have I have a suspicion that you're going to see a fair amount of defense with, with Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary uh, or Preston Smith, if he's still there, playing almost a 4-3 D end kind of role. Um, they seem to do that in Los Angeles uh, a, a fair bit. I, I just don't have an idea other than, uh, like Peter said, you know, beyond Kenny Clark, we don't have a... a, a, a a starter, big, nasty guy. And I think you can do an awful lot more if you're going to play a lot of two-man substitution line like Patton did and like Capers before him. Um, then having those two guys both being top-end guys makes a huge difference. And so somebody somebody that can that can eat and get some pressure uh, is, is a, a big benefit 
and somebody I, like a Tomlinson type uh, works well in that role. Yeah, I, I think it's really difficult to win in the NFL without having a strong defensive line. I think if you look at consistent consistent winners, and we only have to look at the Packers' history, you know, a strong defensive line goes a long way to helping any defense, whether that's a defensive line that's good against the run, gets pressure on the passer, hopefully both. But I, I think it's difficult to win without, consistently without one, you know. And I think that's why you end up in this situation, perhaps like the Packers did in 2020, where you're having to score 31 points a game or whatever the average was to, to ensure that you've got enough points to win. Mm-hmm. Um, because no matter how good your defensive backfield is, those guys can't cover forever. It just they just they just can't. And there's going to be the odd miscommunication and, and what have you. And I always think of dear old buddy Ryan. <laughs> and I don't know why I should, but I always think of dear old buddy Ryan and, and you know, and he talked about, you know, his defense, the famous 46 defense. And he said, look, you know, it all starts up front. You know, he said, you know, we might have some great linebackers, but, you know, it all starts up front and it all starts about stopping the run and getting pressure on the passer. And if we have to send four guys, five guys, six guys, seven guys, we're going to send that number after the passer because we're not going to allow you to sit back there and pick us apart. And I and I really believe in that. And, and you look at that Bears defense and we, you know, and we think of like Mike Singletary in the middle and stuff like that. But it all started up front with, with Dent and Michael and Dan Hampton and those guys. And I, I am a strong believer in that. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of defensive line for the draft, Peter, what is your, what, what are you thinking? Let, let's talk about round one, round two. What are you hoping that we get? I, I think in, in, an, in, in an ideal world, I, I would I would look at offensive tackle or, or corner. Now I think the problem is with both of those positions. Um, you know there are some exceptions to the rule, Jair Alexander being one, but it's very rare that guys come in at either of those positions and start immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and on that basis, I think if you're picking one of those positions, you're looking at a guy that's going to contribute this year. But I think I think it's asking a lot to expect a guy to come in and start 16 games this year at one of, at one of those two slots. I think the other issue with corner is I think there's a group of three at the top of at the top of the draft. I think you guys talked about this when you talked when you talked about this. Patrick Satan, Farley, J.C. Horn. I think those are all gone by the time the Packers pick. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a second group of corners, um, Stokes, Newsom. Um, I'm not as high on Asante Samuel as lots of people are. And I'll tell you why, partly partly a bias, is when I look at him, I see Terrell Buckley. <laughs> <laughs> I have that written down. Yeah. T-Buck. <laughs> yes. Attaboy. Yeah. Um, and, and let, let's put it like this: with those, with those Florida State corners, he's closer to Terrell Buckley than he is Deion Sanders. Let's yeah, let's, yeah. let's let's put it like that. Now, you know, if you were getting that guy in the second or third round, then it's a different then it's a different conversation for me. And I think there's a whole group of guys there, mm-hmm. some of which are going to drop to where the Packers pick in round in round two. Let me interrupt you here. What with Newsom, he is quickly rising up a lot of the mock drafts and boards that I've seen. Or maybe I'm just noticing him more, but he is being mocked more to the end of the first round. Is he a first round cornerback? Is Northwestern a. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't want to knock Northwestern. I, I just think from a cornerback first round, does he is he playing the competition and uh, making the stops against, you know, the big schools in the Big Ten? Well, I think that's I mean, I think that's a that that that's a good question. I mean, I think that. You know, Newsom is oh, six six one, nearly two hundred, nearly two hundred pounds. So he's got he's got a decent size for it. He's kind of a physical cover corner. Um, and the question always is with those guys, with any of those guys in the in the Big Ten, even those corners that seem to come out of Ohio State. You know, as we well know, the Big Ten isn't necessarily renowned as the as the greatest passing conference. <laughs> in 
in, in, in the in the college football. Um, but I, I think I think I think Newsom's is a lot about um, potential as it is production. So far, I think when you look at him, he looks like he's got he's got everything. He's I mean, he's he's tough. I think he's kind of in a in a Jair Alexander type mold, just slightly bigger. Yeah. Now that, that now that doesn't mean to say that he's going to turn out to be the player Jair is, of course, but he has the potential. Yeah. I like I like him. Well, this is a, a nearly an impossible conversation um, to have because there are so many variables we don't yet know what's going to happen in in free agency, how that shifts uh, our draft uh, plan you know with uh, with with serious needs at cornerback defensive end or excuse me a defensive uh, interior defensive lineman uh, offensive tackle um, you know based on the the little bit that Joe Barry talked about with the star position we, we know that Jair Alexander can play there but that's not necessarily where you want him he'd like to have a handful of guys that can play that star position we looked and did safeties uh, previous podcast, and there's a number of athletes who are they're better athletes than the corners, and I I, I just don't have any idea how we're going to lean because we don't know the structure and and what Barry thinks of what's already here, um, and who are we going to sign before the draft and free agency because all of that stuff's going to shift where we go, but I think offensive line, defensive line, corner. Uh, and and if Preston Smith is uh, let go, well, edge rusher jumps way up at the top as well. Yo, family, how we doing? I know your health and wellness regiment in 2021 has been on point, but let's take it up to the next level. TulipTreeGardenCO.com has a new product that they are delivering to you, D8THC. Now, this is not a CBD product. It is derived from the hemp plant, not the cannabis plant. But D8THC gives you a nice mellow high, helps with that anxiety, delivers relaxation, helps with your pain. And right now, you can get it at TulipTreeGardenCO.com for $30. That's a great addition to your current CBD regimen. TulipTreeGardenCO.com. Support those that support the podcast. Now let's get back to the show. Peter, what about wide receiver? You know, is this the year we're gonna we're, we could look at a wide receiver? Is there any wide receiver you look at twenty nine that could potentially be there that's worthy of a first round pick? So, 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 wide receiver is not dissimilar to me to corner, mm-hmm. but um, the second group of wide receivers is is on paper for me better than the second group of corners. So. So why I say it's similar is I think there's three wide receivers that go early in this draft, top 10, top 15, which is Chase, Smith and Waddle. And then I think you've got a whole group of guys, um, guys that you've talked about, Kadarius Tony, the Terrace Marshall, Rashad Bateman, Rondale Moore. So I think you've got that kind of group. And I think this, this wide receiver core is as strong and is as deep as last year's. Which is which is quite surprising considering how strong and deep last year's was. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess you, you end up in a similar situation potentially. If one of those guys is on the board, they're worth you know a Tony and Marshall, a Bateman, and more. They're worth the 29th pick probably, in my view. You think they are? Yeah. Uh, more? I, 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 I think so. I think I think my my problem with it is, and this is where it gets really difficult, is. I might still be able to get one of those guys at yeah, that's a thing at fifty or fifty-five. I mean, Rondé Moore had one year. Yeah, and, and therefore is is there the year. is there the value in taking one when I know that there's four or five others that are very potentially similar on paper that I can get twenty picks later, and that's what, what, when the, you say the value uh, they have the value of a twenty-ninth pick. Uh, are you? Do you mean that they have the you know the value of the 29th pick or the value of the 29th pick for the Green Bay Packers? Oh, I think I think I think that those guys have got the value of towards the end of the first round or the beginning of the second round for for anybody. Mm-hmm. Given but, our but, needs, but given 
given given our needs, I, I I think you get decent value by taking one at twenty nine. I wouldn't take one at twenty nine because I can get one at fifty. Yeah, yeah. Now that might involve a little bit of a, a trade or something to move up a few slots in the second round, but mm-hmm. for, for me. Why take one at 29 when you can get almost the same guy or potentially the same guy, you know, a few picks later on? Yeah. And that brings up my question with free agents, because when I look at the wide receivers right now that are available. Hear me out. Josh Reynolds. He's free agent. Kendrick Bourne. Uh, These two, because they come from a similar Offense, right? The Shanahan tree, McVeigh. Kendrick Bourne, I thought, when he played, he always made plays, it seemed, you know, for San Francisco. I don't know how uh, he had some injuries and, and wasn't always on the field, but kind of a cheap option. Because when I look at Will Fuller, now he's going to be suspended for four games, right? Next year, or is it two games? Yeah, a number. I'm not sure whether it's, it's two or four. You know, and Pro Football Focus has him estimated around that 17.5 range, which I think is amazing. Somebody else today or yesterday uh, I had heard said he was going to be around the $12 million range. Who knows where these receivers are going to be? But it just seems like there's some options. But coming here, now getting to this whole thought process that I, that I was, was dealing with, when Chris Godwin is a receiver that's number one and is expected to hit around a five-year deal for $22 million, and your second guy, Allen Robinson, you know, a four-year $21 million contract. Per. Yep. What are we looking at for the extension for Devontae Adams, Peter? What kind of money is going to be invested in him? Well, I I would imagine that the extension is the best part of, if you imagine it's a four-year extension, so on top of the year that he's already got, Mm -hmm. I think it's four years, $100 million, that kind of number. I think it's 25 a year. Mm. It might be a a little bit less, but it's that kind of number. I I just remember when Julio Jones signed his contract for $22 million, I was like, that's a $22 million receiver. Yep. For a year, he prove that for two years he proved that but when chris godwin comes out you know with 800 yards this year some touchdowns he had a good year the year before i don't know 22 million dollars it's just it's it's boggling my mind because when we look at receivers there's some free agent options out there are they better than who we have i don't know um but at 29 i I just i could not find a receiver that would be a better option than my boy Tevin Jenkins from <laughs> Oklahoma State. Calvin Johnson, Randy Moss. Those are the two guys. If they were sitting at 29, you could make an argument to me. Otherwise, you just simply can't. Aaron Rodgers is coming off a 48-touchdown season, league MVP with what we already have. Mm-hmm. We have so many significant needs on, on the defensive side of the ball, plus offensive tackle, plus running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I just can't see them doing that at 29 yeah but of course this is the year they will well and you see running (laughs) running backs a really interesting one for me and and it's not a position that i think many people are considering that the packers might pick in the first round right but i think there's i think there's 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 two guys that that are likely or possibly going the first round Najee harris and travis Etienne. Are you making me even think about Najee harris being (laughs) on the green Bay packers right now because my head might explode on screen well the, 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 the thing is, if, if Aaron Jones does go, mm. right, so, so I guess where my head is about running back, you normally wouldn't pick one this early. Yeah. But, but where my head is about running back is if the Packers are really close to being a Super Bowl team, and we know that they are, they were five points away from making the Super Bowl. And yes, they've got holes and other positions they'd like to fill. But if they lost their running back and one of those top two guys slipped to 29 you're talking about a guy that can come in and start immediately so it's different to taking a corner or or an offensive tackle probably who's got to learn sit for a while and learn 
one of these guys can come in and contribute immediately. Mm-hmm. So I think it's not beyond the realms of, and nobody I think is talking about this, but I think it's not beyond the realms of possibility if one of those two guys were to slip to 29. Peter, let's light Twitter on fire right now. Peter Jones is calling Najee Harris to the no. Green Bay Packers with the 29th oh, pick no, in the draft. My preference, my preference. <laughs> Come on, so, say it. So the guy that I really like at running back is Jamar Jefferson, Oregon State. And, and, and if you've not gone and watched him, go and watch him because he looks like Aaron Jones. Hmm. And you watch, you watch the plays that he runs. He can run inside and outside, can run the outside zone. Doesn't have the devastating breakaway speed, but nor does Aaron Jones. But he's got enough speed, hits the hole, can catch. He just look When you look at him run, he actually just looks like Aaron Jones. And for me, Jamar Jefferson in about round three or four, if you can get him, is the guy. Solid. I thought you were going to back me up, Eric. And Eric is uh, more of a Harris. I'm more of an Etienne guy. And I'm just thinking when you were talking about the two of them falling <laughs> to 29, and that's 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 a very legitimate legitimate uh, situation. If we, uh, particularly, again, it goes back to all this that we don't know. But if Williams and Jones are gone, well, then you got a big red hot spot at running back. Yeah, and and again for me, you know, it's just that thing about how close are you. And can do you want a guy that's going to come in and contribute, hopefully massively from day one? Yeah, you know, and that's probably not a corner or a tackle. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let me ask you this: Given you know we got to see the one game, the glimpse at at Mr. Dillon playing uh, playing the uh, the monster role. If that's the if that's the direction that we're truly going to go in, obviously you need to have maybe a couple of third down backs, and you need to have you know suitable depth on the roster. But if we're going to go back to more of a bell cow kind of Eddie Lacy kind of guy, does that minimize how how important uh, a high draft pick at running back is? Yeah, pr- pr- probably, and that's probably really why I think Jamar Jefferson's the more likely. If I were picking, he'd be the guy that I would I would be taking in. Now, now Jefferson's got probably a third or fourth round grade, so I, so I think I think you have to take him in round three if he's there because I don't think you can risk him dropping that far in round in round four. But he's the guy that I would that I would take, assuming that that Jones and Williams move on. Well, if, and, and what Jones was what fifth or sixth round? There were fifth, fourth and fifth, or fifth and yeah. sixth were yeah. Williams and Jones. So um, something else that's come up that I've been dying to ask you about. Speaking of Aaron Jones. Uh, and that is the uh, the notion of tagging him and trading him with likely compensation coming in at around a second rounder this year versus a compensatory fourth rounder next year. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the whole ta- tag and trade thing is, is is always an interesting one because it's against the spirit of the CBA. <laughs> You're not meant to do it, but everybody does it. Um, the problem, the problem they've got is, is if they tag him, he counts against the cap immediately. So, so they're already got to find twelve million ish right now. Um, you know, if they tag him right now, then you're in the twenty odd millions, and they're going to have to make some moves beyond just the Preston Smith move and or the Aaron Rodgers move to be to be able to do that. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. My gut feel is is that just like with Preston Smith, they're in heavy discussions with Jones's agent, and I think history says the Packers typically don't tag. This may be the exception, but my gut feel is is that they're gonna they're gonna um, continue the negotiations, and if the if the deal doesn't get done, that he'll become a free agent on March the seventeenth. That's my that's my gut feel. Well, the, the reason I ask that is that both both Eric and I are, are suitably impressed with the talent at the positions of need that we have. When you get into the second, third, fourth round, there's a lot of guys out there that we've looked at that that seemingly could be close to plug and play for us. And it just seems like it's deep in the areas where we need in this draft. And having an extra second rounder, boy, that's a that's a you know a potential starter. It is. It is. I, I just, I just, I guess it's more about history. The history says that they typically don't tag. If you, and, if you, and, and this, and this year in particular, given the, 
the cap issues for March the 17th. I just, I would be surprised. Well, let, let me, let, I, let I me, might well be wrong. Let me ask it to you this way. If you have, can you have uh, a deal with team A uh, that's more than willing to give up a second rounder to get Aaron Jones on their team and they have salary cap space, obviously. Can you have that deal? So the minute you tag him, that's coming off of your cap. If you trade him the next day, does that wash right off the next day? Uh, so th theoretically, theoretically, yes, but you can't you can't trade a player until he signs the tender. So, 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 so theoretically, you could tag him, but he could refuse to sign. You refuse to sign the tender. So that, that never used to be the case. So I don't know if you remember years ago, the Packers tagged Corey Williams and, and traded him. Now, since the last two CBAs, you have to, the, once, once you tag a player, in essence, you're stuck until he, until, he sign, until he signs the tender. You're stuck with the tender tag value on your cap with a player who's not doing very much until he signs the tender. Well, and then can't he report in, in November and get credit for the season? He, right. So he has to report. And I, I can't remember how many games it is It is now. Um, so so they had the situation with Le'Veon Bell a couple of years ago where he had to report by, well, I can't remember which week it was to, to get it. Um, but there is a certain number of weeks into the season by which he has to report, else he doesn't get credit for the year, yeah. Seems pretty dangerous. It does, and and there's all there's all sorts of um, fines and all sorts of stuff that are now in this CBA that weren't in the that weren't in the previous weren't in the previous one. I just don't I don't see it coming to that. Um, I hope know, not, I, because you know Eric's always looking to get away around the rules and uh, come up with <laughs> these preposterous ideas on how we can get this happen. Wouldn't they take three million dollars? Um, hey, let's let, let's move on because we have to talk about a, a really important person. That I threw out as a joke and on Twitter, and then I thought about it and went, hmm, because after looking at his contract, hear me out, Packer Nation. Tampa Bay is up against the wall. Antonio Brown could be $3 million. Peter, what do you say about bringing home Antonio Brown to the Green Bay Packers? At uh, 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 three, so, so, no, 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 you're all right. You're all right. Right, all right. so... So, so if if the if the number were three million dollars, would I do it? Yes. Good. All right. I'm not crazy. I saw the number because I thought he was going to be you know around that nine million dollar range. But the stats that Antonio Brown has the last ten games in Tampa Bay and uh, what he could do at that price, being an NFL player, being able to pick it up quick, granted. It's different here, but I just think as a number three receiver, what a fun thought. I mean, well, I think I think you know if you get to the point where you've got to free agencies, you've you've sorted out your cap as good as you can beyond March the seventeenth. So you got to that point, and maybe you've got a little bit of cash to to, to use on a free agent. I think it's worth if you could get that type of player for that kind of number. Then I think it's I think it's worth a dart. Ultimately, you can you can you can cut him and and move on if you have to, and it's not a it's not a great it's not a great loss. And 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 for me, whether he ends up in the Hall of Fame, he's a Hall of Fame caliber receiver. Now he might not be at his peak, but nor was Andre Risen when the Packers picked him up in in '96. And I, I I think it's personally I think it's worth a dart at that at that number. Yeah. Thank you. So Thank you, Peter. Jumped, I'm not crazy. a chance to do that at $3 million. Uh, but, you know, is is he going to be interested in that? I mean, this is this has got to be his last chance. Well, you, kind of a pay you know, he wants to be a part of Tampa Bay. They, I've read, I don't know, half a dozen articles. I got them on my stream. Where he is not one of the players because the amount Godwin's going to take, the amount uh, uh, Levante that they want back, um, and Shaquille, he, he looks to be on the outs. And when they talk about a free agent for $3 million, I, I go, whoa, that's a, that's a, that's a aspect in an offense that we have that is creative as it is could really uh, 
I mean, he got 800 yards in 10 games with Tampa Bay. He'd have 1,000 with us easy, it seems, you know, just on a few. I mean, the field, the way we stretch with MVS, and he'd be playing underneath now. Good luck trying to tackle that guy. His yards after the catch this year were his best since he was a rookie, I think. But um, I just want to go uh, also, anything else we want to talk about that you guys had on mind about receivers? Because okay. I had to uh, give a, a, a new section of this uh, show out called the Clickbait Award. And uh, the Clickbait Award of the day, uh, I want to give a shout-out to Zone Coverage for their headline yesterday. March 4th, is it time for Clay Matthews to return to Green Bay? Your thoughts, Eric? Boy, I just, you know, when you first mentioned that, the thing that screamed out to me was he did have several years uh, playing inside for us that, that were quality. Um, I don't know how much he's got left in the tank, um, but he's... Uh, you know, it would make Packer fans happy. There's a lot of ladies out there that would be going crazy if Clay Matthews comes back to Green Bay. I don't know what he'd be looking at in, in terms of salary. I don't think you can pay him like he's like somebody would. Is it even worth it? You're talking like it's a realistic, like it would be even no. worth clicking on this article and reading further <laughs> into it. No. I mean, it's he didn't even play last year. I just think, what what are you doing? You're out. Of, you're out of stories we're in that part of the season we're still trying to pump out three shows a week we're gonna have to take that back a little bit here but uh we have just i mean this this award has to come out more because i get a couple every day that i'm like come on man what are we doing and it's usually been the aaron Rodgers stuff but Peter, not it then. the first thing that popped to mind when you said that to me was what i watched this morning and that's zavin collins and there is a kid, if he falls to 29, that uh, you want to talk about a Swiss Army knife, could play inside, could play on the line, could play on the end. That kid is just a football player and a monster. Okay, before you go any further, the next section of the show. I want, I'm, I'm recording who we want, who, who, we're, who we're mocking in our heads selected at 29. I'll start it off because Eric started it off. I'm calling Zayvon Collins. You can carry on, though, Eric. Tell me what you think about it, uh, Zayvon Collins. I would be absolutely – I'm never happy with who we take in the first round, and I would be <laughs> doing backflips if we took Zayvon Collins mm -hmm. because I think there's so many different ways that, that Barry could use him in our mm -hmm. defense. I mean, he's the most versatile guy that we can add to our team. Took two interceptions to the house this year, man. It was it, it, when you watch this at 260 pounds. When you watch him, it's it's not like he's it's not like he's loafing, but his movement is so easy and mm. athletic. And then he kicks burners. You know, when, when, mm. once he decides, okay, now um, he closes and crushes. Uh, I just would I would be ecstatic. I don't think there's a chance in hell that he falls to 29. I've seen a lot where he's fallen, and uh, we're getting him. And if he uh, – this week, boy, gut says if he fouled, he's, he's, he's my favorite of the week. Who's your favorite of the week, Peter? I keep talking myself round. Um, I, think it, I think it's offensive tackle, so I don't think it's an exciting pick as such. Mm, but I think I it's it. offensive, offensive tackle. I think it just depends who falls to that pick. You know, I like – you're not asking me to name one, are you? Yeah, just who's your favorite this week? Because next time we talk, we'll have a whole different one before the draft. We'll just the tally. Because, <laughs> I mean, I switch all the time, but I've been on a Zayvon Collins just for the weapon that he was. But I was the week before that, Peter, I was on offensive tackle, and Tevin Jenkins was my, you know, he was my man crush. But uh, who, who who are you feeling well, this? Well, well Jalen Mayfield of Michigan would be my guy, but I don't think he's there at 29. Yeah. Um. So I will go for who do I think is going to be there at 29? Um, I'm going to go for, will Sam Cosme be there at 29? I think he yes. will. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think Sam Cosme of Texas. Mm -hmm. Good pick. Yeah, Good fantastic. Pick. Nasty Eric, guy. Eric, right now, this week, what's your gut say? Drafting 29, <laughs> who do you take? Well, I, I would, I, unfortunately. It's going to change in an hour for sure. Right, but for, for sorry for Mr. McEachern's sake, but um, I would if we if Zayvon Collins falls, I would love it. I too love 
the uh, uh, Cosme. Uh, I, I love um, uh, Mayfield because you know the Mayfield is is the more prototypical Green Bay Packer offensive lineman, a guy that can play left tackle, right tackle, either guard spot and mm-hmm. center. I mean, he's just a, he's he's fantastic. Um, I, this depth, you know, we, we we did offensive tackles last week, and th- there are some guys in that, you know, second to fifth round, Walker Littles, and and guys that I think can come in and and contribute. Um, twenty nine, twenty nine, twenty nine. Zayvon Collins. I already called Zayvon Collins. That, that, that. All right, so I'm going to change my pick then. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with that. No, well, I, I just have a. I, I just question. Took the weapon, yeah. Question for Peter: Can you, and I guess legally speaking, morally, ethically, whatever, <laughs> could you take a guy like Jared Veld here and say, as insurance now, and and give him give him a contract where he would wind up? I mean, if he wants to come back and play, he's kind of sniffed in and out of that. But could you take a guy like that and just sign him at a at a reduced rate with the idea? that he's not likely going to play next year and he can walk away with a, a million or two <laughs> just yeah, to have I mean, him on there? I mean, you could sign him. So so they would want to do that after March the 17th. So they don't want to be signing any guys before March the 17th, given the cap situation. But yeah, you could sign a guy after March the 17th. So you could, you could give him a minimum base salary for um, for a veteran, which I guess is just over a million million dollars. But you could give him another million signing bonus or whatever it might be. And then, and then you've, you've got a decision to make come August, September that says, if I cut him, then um, I just count the million against the cap. If I keep him, he counts the two point whatever million against the cap. So yeah, absolutely. Cause that seems like that, that would, would simplify things if you have sort of an insurance policy, although he's old, I mean, he's, he's no spring chicken. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I would, ex- I would expect them to be looking for some veteran guy at corner. That that would be the place in in free agency where I would expect them to be looking at a a veteran guy who's a reasonable cost. So I'm not talking problem. I'm not talking a Richard Sherman or one of those guys. Maybe a Xavier Rhodes, that type. Desmond Trufant. Yeah, depending on, on how much how much they cost. But I think that even if you take say even if you say took a Newsom or a Stokes at, at 29 in, in round one. I think you want to you want a, a veteran corner that can come in and play for a year. Um, I think Tremont Williams is too old now. Um, I don't think he wants to play anyway. But I but I'd be looking at a guy that could come in and start for a year. Um, do you remember Dave? Do you remember Dave Brown from Seattle that came to the Packers in Plan B free agency back in 1989? Hmm. And a defensive well, lineman or a no, cornerback? A corner. Nope, I do not. So, so he came in as he was about thirty-six year old when he came into the Packers and had five interceptions in that Mikowski nineteen eighty-nine season. That's the type of guy that I would like the Packers to try and pick up for one for one year. Do you do you expect that uh, that Jerry Gray is going to be lobbying hard for a reunion with Xavier Rhodes? Um, he Rhodes played very well under Gray. And I, I, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's like all of these things with all of these free agents. It's about what do they cost? Yeah, so I'm the, at Pro Football Focus, they got him at a three-year, eight million dollar a year average. Oh, so 14, I would, I fourteen five guaranteed. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. Of, that sounds like a lot of money to me. Yeah, I mean, 2018-2019, he was 100th out of 112th, 109th <laughs> out of 115th, and last year he was ninth out of 121. I mean, I just think it's, you know, that that is a hole on the roster. You know, you assume yeah. that Kevin King's moving on. Maybe, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't get free agent offers. Um, you know, maybe, you know, with other teams, a number of other teams being cash-strapped, they look at Kevin King and say, actually, he's got a, an injury history and say, actually, he may not get offers. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility, I guess, that Kevin King's back, but... Assuming that he isn't, that's the one starting hole, I think, if you like, that the Packers have potentially got. And, you know, I would just like to fill that with a veteran rather than rather than a rookie picker guy. If there's one, you know, worth it in the first or second round, who becomes your starter next year? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. All there's right, no, guys. There's nobody else on the roster, is there, right now, that can come in and, and really and start at that spot, even short term, I don't think. Maybe an Ento. <coughs> Ento. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, we saw such a decline in, in Shannon Sullivan where nobody has the confidence there. But when we looked at, again, Kevin King not being signed by somebody else and he's in that $3 million, $4 million range, is that worth it? Seems like a seems like a pretty pretty okay price, right? You know, after Carroll's press conference, do you see Chad and Sullivan ever taking a snap at nickel for us again? Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Well, let's Maybe. end the show there and ponder that. <laughs> Chandon, we're thinking about you. Nickel, nickel, nickel. Um, all right, man, what do we got uh, closing thoughts here? Eric, what do you got for uh, for the weekend? Well, it's just I, I'm hoping that at some point here in the next 10 days, um, we get a firm foundation for how things are going to go. We'll get we're certainly going to get more and more uh, veterans filtering out that are cuts. I really want to know what the what the salary cap floor is going to be, because as we talked earlier, that's going to make all the, the difference in the way we choose to restructure contracts, um, sign free agents, um, sign our own. Uh, Kevin King, that's a great. I mean, that's a that's a great thought. Who who knows what's going to go on with him? And if you still have Kevin King at an affordable rate, well, maybe that changes where you're looking in in the first round as well. Hmm. Um, let me. Uh, we're going to get some answers to some of these things in the next two weeks. Zayvon Collins, Peter. No. Final thoughts. Yeah, I feel I, I feel exactly I feel exactly the same way. I think now, now's the time. Let's just just hang on for the next ten days or so. As Eric says, I think we're going to get the questions, the answers to lots of questions, probably raise some more questions, but I think we're going to get the answers to lots of questions. And once once we get past March the 17th, I think things become a little, little clearer. Yeah. Well, I'm just so excited the way that these teams are having to make these cuts and the players that are available, um, some punters are available out there. And I'll tell you, uh, being – Lakeland Union High School's greatest punter, Eric. Remember how you said last show? I still took that to heart. Um, I think J.K. Scott could be uh, upgraded with some of these guys out there. I don't know. Uh, but, hey, Peter, let everybody know where they can find you online and let them know where they can find your great season review articles with the U.K. Packers. Yeah, so so you can find me online at, on Twitter, at ProFootHistory is the best place. And there's a bunch of stuff at uh, UK Packers online, as you say, it's at ukpackers.co.uk slash blog. And there's all sorts of articles on there. There's the season review articles. There's a bunch of Packers historical top 10 articles, all kinds of stuff on there. Awesome. Awesome. Make sure you guys go out there and check out Peter's work. He does a great job, not only on our podcast to elevate it, but uh, he does a great work on his reviews and the draft recaps and, and projections for what's happening this year in the 2021 20, draft it's going to be exciting uh eric it's been a fun one buddy you uh i'm sure we got uh, a couple good ones i'm gonna throw on instagram of some of your takes i hope you don't uh don't mind because you're becoming one of my favorite radio personalities podcast personalities in all of packer nations so Appreciate everybody listening out there. Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, YouTube. We are having fun. Uh, I have a lot of videos that I'm putting, and I'm starting to schedule. So uh, that comes out more consistently. We got more with Peter Jones. We have some real fun ones. But what I've been doing is trying to get these things ready for Instagram. We're going to kind of be shifting over uh, to Instagram and YouTube on those. So working it through and having fun, and you will see all of our pretty faces on there soon. Check us out. Acme Army everywhere. Eric. With that, buddy, take us out. Well, thanks to everyone for the likes and contributions, uh, and have a wonderful weekend. I have an unsupervised weekend, completely off the leash. Kind of excited about that. Uh, looking forward to next week. we got a couple position groups left. We've got defensive linemen, tight ends, some special teams that we'll be uh, hitting up next week. Looking forward to that. It's always a pleasure to get an education from our dear friend Peter. Thank you, Peter. Uh, and with that, uh, go pack, go.
Hey guys, thanks for listening. But the, the show's over. Time to time to move on to the next one. Hey, maybe check out some of our back episodes. Make sure you check out PeterPrinceMusic.com. The best music around. Get some. <laughs>